everyone. Welcome to Creative Connections. I'm Adam Deere and joining me today is actor Valerie Bader. Valerie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome and nice to meet you, Adam. Yes, you too. You've been, you know, working professionally since the 70s, pretty much. Uh, yeah. Acting work, particularly theatre, it's, it's been on hold for the last few months. Have you found that pretty productive or has that been a frustrating period? Oh, look, neither actually. I... I was lucky I finished a play the week before theatres closed. Uh, I'd finished a play at Belvoir, then we had a week's tour to Wollongong and we knew things were coming uh, perilously close to closing and we got back to Sydney as everything, all the opening nights that were happening in the next 10 days, I think, closed. And uh, it, it sort of, for us... Um, I'm sure a lot of actors will say this, but the first couple of weeks at home is just like an actor finishing a job and being out of work. You go home, you regroup, you work out what's the next thing to do. But, of course, we ended up in this dreadful position. I am part of the Actors Benevolent Fund, which Mm -hmm. is a fundraiser and we give money to people in our industry in trouble. So we could never, we could not have um, understood how needed we would be. So in fact, even though I'm not so productive uh, artistically, I am so busy with the Actors Benevolent. We are getting the message out. We are giving money out. We are, we meet on Zoom, the whole uh, committees and we're working out our strategy. So I'm actually quite busy. And then this week, funnily enough, I have recorded a book and I'm actually out and about in a recording studio going, oh, this is what an actor does. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm actually, uh, and there's a couple of things come through from different people I've worked with asking for, you know, help. Short answer to your question is I've actually been really quite busy and I'm not quite sure how there'll be time <laughs> to go back to work. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, look, it's good to be so busy. And also, um, I've been nurse ratchet at home because my partner broke her hand in a really bad way. So um, it's been microsurgery and all sorts of things. And so I'm, I'm the everything, the cook, the clean, the dog walker. I'm so, you know, so it's good to actually have the time to do it. And the book you're mentioning, are you allowed to mention what book that is or? Look, I think I am. I mean, it hasn't been published yet as far as I know, but it's Kate Grenville's new book. And uh, it, it is the most delicious book. It's so beautiful. Her writing is beautiful and it's been so beautiful to read. It's not something I do uh, a lot of, but um, I got picked for this, which I'm really thrilled about. So it's beautiful. I won't tell you a thing about it in case I'm not allowed, but it is it's <laughs> and it's, it's divine. It's really lovely. No problem. Well, I look forward to hearing it. And mm. so, Valerie, you've worked in film and television. Do you feel more at home on stage or on set? Gee, do you know, once upon a time, I would have said theatre was my home. My, my, I mean, it probably still is. But I love doing f- film and television. I love it. I love seeing the, the many facets of getting that one product that you finally see, that one stillness that you see created by so many people and, and how you, you have to, 
you have to work really hard to keep control of yourself on a film set because mm. there is so much happening and there's so much at you and there's so much light and makeup and costume and hair and the last thing really ever to be considered are the words. Uh, I mean, I don't mean that by the director, but because of the technicality of it, it's like the, the actor has to work so hard to keep the discipline of knowing what it is you're doing and where you're going and and what your role within this busyness is. And I quite like that. I quite like that um, that discipline. I mean, I, I love theatre. I've done theatre, as you say, all of my life. I mean, I started as a singer and, and that's even a different mm-hmm. kind of theatre, but I do love it and I love the creation. I love that we can, we all create, but it's a much smaller scale but then you know in the end it's my business on this on the night it's it is you know it's just the contract that I have between you the audience and me the actor and if there's blood on the floor there's blood on the floor and we we get on with it it's live it's immediate and and it's a fantastic thing and with what you're saying is is there a risk for actors becoming too self-involved gee I think Oh, lordy, lordy. I think as you get older, I think you may leave that self-involvement somewhere else. But I think there's so many pressures on young actors. There's so many young actors. There's so many young musical theatre performers. There's so many that there's a major pressure. And I think that self-involvement is, it's, um, what is the word? It's self-protection. I, th- I think it's a necessity. I think if you don't look after yourself, there are very few ways you'll be looked after. I think you need, I mean, for a singer doing a big musical, you wake up every day going, oh, my God, can I sing? Where's my voice? Am I all right? Mm. It, so you, it's very hard to get out of that self-involvement. I just think as you get older, there's more in the world that, you know, that's intriguing and I don't know, the pressure is less, I suppose. Yeah, so you're feeling that it's it's not as it's not all on you in the same way. Oh, I think it is. All I, th- I do think I still think it's all on you. Except on film, it's never all on you. It's all on. Yes, of course, if Hugo Weaving's doing a film, it is all on him. The money is all on him. But then it goes to the editing suite, mm. and you might think you've done the most delicious take, and you think you say to the director, "I love that take. Can we have that one?" And then you look at it and go. Why did you use that one? It's, <laughs> yeah. So in the end, your control is given away, I suppose, unless you have the power to sit there and go to the editing suite as well. And I don't think generally actors are welcome. But um, I don't know, it's a different sort of control. I mean, you know, we've all learned how in a take on film, if we don't like it or we're not happy with it, we've all learned a way to stop and let us do it again. Um yeah, just don't throw a tantrum or start throwing things. Well, either that or you drop the F. You know, yeah, if you're yeah. in the middle of a beautiful scene and you know it's absolutely up to putty, you drop you drop a word that cannot go. Yeah, it's never going to make it in the film. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. And look, you know, it's a funny old thing. I think as you get older, your self of your sense of self and and control of self is it comes down to you have much more confidence about you and who you are and where you fit in the industry and mm-hmm. and that makes life a little easier i think i think <laughs> <laughs> and like you hear talk about 
just I guess in some way extending on that, we hear talk of the importance of having a good agent or, or manager, but what role has, has networking played in getting yourself work? I don't network. I'm really bad at it. I'm old enough to have come through when there was no such thing as networking except Mm -hmm. the party where you go up to somebody in a corner. I'm really not good at it. I never have been. Um, I would say that a good agent these days is vital, absolutely vital. And there are many, many more agents now than there were. But you learn that the top companies go to the top agents. So it might only be the first one to five agencies who hear what a really good job is. I mean, don't, I should say don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that is the way it runs. That You have to work really hard to get in these days because there are so many of us. So as well as having a really good agent or a manager, I think it's also vital to be trained to come through somewhere. I think that the safety net and the confidence that you get from being trained helps you be resilient in this industry that is so difficult. It's just not so easy anymore. And, of course, it's going to get harder. Yeah, and just on that, I mean, as I said before, you've been acting professionally since the 70s. You've been touring all around Australia. How has the industry changed Do you mean with COVID or without COVID? Uh, Without COVID. I mean, we can get to COVID in in a moment, but just as a general Uh, shift in culture or the way things are done. I think it's changed financially. I don't think there is as much money in theatre. I think theatre is more expensive to make. Mm -hmm. And theatres generally now rely not only on government uh, subsidy, which used to be all of it. You, your company was run by, like STC was completely uh, government subsidy, Australia Council. But, you know, the, the money has gotten harder and harder to get from the government. The government are being a little more reluctant to support the arts. So fewer things are done. Once upon a time, it would be nothing to see 14 or 16 people on stage in a production. It doesn't happen anymore. There just mm. isn't the money. So that side of things changed. Touring has changed enormously. To go touring, um, it's got to be a small play, an easy set, and you've got to be able to bump in and bump out in a day or two days and keep moving. And so that's a shame. Mm. Touring touring was what an actor did if they didn't, I mean, I don't mean it as a, in a bad way, but touring was a great thing to rely on because... You know, you might do a job in Sydney for six weeks but then have a four-month tour, which is brilliant, as well as seeing this fantastic country. Um, but there just isn't the money. You know, the companies don't, and they're not companies anymore. They're mostly theatres around the country that are owned by or run by councils. So, you know, it's a very different, it's a different artistic feel really. So is there a bit of a less security in a sense now? Look, I'm not. uh, That's a hard question for me to ask. I'm very secure. I'm old. Uh, And when I say I'm old, I'm old in this industry. So I'm not a 25-year-old looking for my next rent or uh, where's my next job or who am I? I, I? I'm not that person anymore. So I don't. 
if I don't have a job coming up, there's a little, I don't really sweat it. There's other yeah, things that I can do. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just not that, I mean, I love my job and I love my work and I love working with new people. But if there isn't anything for three months, then it's, there just isn't anything and you, and you get on with the rest of your life. But I, I'm not 25 and I think that for a 25-year-old is, is perilous. Mm. I, think there is, I think it is hard to feel secure. And just linking back to what you were saying about government funding in the arts, do you see any kind of key reasons why that has changed? Oh, wow. Don't get me <laughs> Just a really easy question. Really easy question. Um, do you know, once upon a time, those of us who, of my vintage remember when we had Gough Whitlam mm-hmm. and we had a most divine Labor government now, Goff and Margaret were arts benefactors. They thought the arts were vital for our country. So they looked after the arts. Down the track, most Labor uh, prime ministers since then, uh, Bob Hawke and Paul Keating, have also thought the arts were vital. So... Whilst you have a, a and I'm, I really don't mean to be definitive here because I'm sure there are some liberal people who go to the arts, but it seems to me really clear cut from our side that with a liberal government, they don't feel that the arts are as important or, see, I believe that the arts feed your soul and, and I think if you have a country with no arts, at all and simply push all the money into sports or I don't know what else, um, then we will be a country bereft. And you look at all the major countries of this world with fabulous arts um, that just, you know, like theatres on every corner, we don't have that. I know we're a much smaller population, but we are my, oh, gosh, I'm getting myself caught up, but I think it's really very simple for me. I see a Liberal government don't support the arts. I mean, if you look at the monies that have been handed out in the last four months to keep our country afloat, actors have not qualified for most of what's been given out. The arts, we are, we're flatlined, our industry, um, but we don't, we don't seem to resonate with people's heads. They don't think that we are, we're necessary or vital or important. So I think... Um, I think it comes down for me simply between left and right. The light, the left look after us and give us money and understand what it takes to create art and the right couldn't care less. That's putting it simply. I, I apologise, but that's sort of in my head what it is. Mm. And so do you see the, this period of COVID-19 has highlighted existing issues? Oh, completely. We're going to lose. We're going to lose companies all the way around the country, and already, even without COVID, we've got smaller companies losing some of their funding, and the funding that is so vital to them, they don't quite know how they will stand up again and go forward to next year. Um, Australia Council, which is of course you know money from the government down the track, has given less and less dollar to our companies, and I never quite understand who decides what company is important and and what isn't. But I'm, I'm fearful for a lot of our 
companies that if they don't, if we don't work again this year, if our companies don't get money through the door, I don't know how a lot of them will survive. Um, and I think that's a real, a real fear. You know, I don't know quite, I don't think anyone quite has, well, certainly not on my, where I sit, I don't think any of us know what's, what's ahead. Mm. And, and as an actor, just going back a bit more to the craft, what keeps bringing you back to acting? Gee, well, it's, it, it's, well, I'll start at the beginning. It's my family business. Yes. I, I come from a family of four brothers and two parents who all had um, some sort of uh, career with theatre and film and television. So that's how I grew up. My father taught me and my brothers how to sing, how to sing harmonies, and my two brothers and I used to have a little singing group on the television, Channel 7 or whatever it was. What was the name of the group? Did you have a cool name? Um, and so it was, well, we were the, we were the Terry Tones. The Terry Tones. <laughs> Lovely. And we used, to, we used to be around at the same time as the Bee Gees. That's how, that's where we, and we'd meet the Bee Gees on, you know, we'd all be going off to the same TV thing. Um, as we grew older and left school, Terry went to NIDA and didn't want to pursue that sort of, career, which was fine. He wanted to be an actor. Tony is a musician and he was a musical director. That's where he went. So that was me who wanted to perform. Stephen went to NIDA and Michael became the stage manager. So we were all, that was wow, where. So creative. Well, in the end, when you're at home, you're not talking about being a nurse or a doctor or an accountant. You're talking about theatre. My parents did, ran their own theatre. Uh, mum ran a little um, drama club and then they, mum ran a musical society. So that's all we talked about. That's what our home life was. No one came through the door who wasn't a singer or a performer or an actor. So mm. it just was it. So um, that for me was my road. My road began in the musical side of things. And then in the 90s, I suppose, in Sydney, um, we, we were giving money. I mean, I did musical theatre. I, I tried. I also just did plays. I, I was very lucky to span both. Um, in the 90s, we were quite hot with how many smaller new Australian works there were. So I could, I could span again both. And then, I don't know, I just, when I, when I saw the tenor of what, our music industry, our music theatre industry was and that there wasn't really the money to put into Australia works, that we were getting bigger and bigger international musicals coming in. I sort of lost interest in, in staying on that path and pretty well devoted myself. And I'm trying to work out whether that was accidental or intentional, but I pretty well left those musicals aside and I stayed with theatre. So... What keeps me coming back is it's what I do, for one. But then I started teaching at mm -hmm. AIM and I loved it so much. And I realised, I realised every time I taught something or did another class or another, we learnt sonnets or we, whatever we did, whatever it was that we were doing, it was another consolidation of where I'd come from and what I knew and what I could give on. And I loved it so much. It sort of rejuvenated my 
my love and my understanding and my respect of what our industry is and how it's hard work. I think people think it's frivolous or it's uh, everyone gets in and they've got mansions because they earn a lot of money. We earn terrible money. And then if you manage to get a terrific job, it's a 48 cents in the dollar tax and then your agent gets commission and, you know, it's, it's not well paid if you are the jobbing actor or you're the, you know, second from the left in Sweeney, whatever it is, it's not well paid. So there has to be something else and, and I think it is, it's the love and the respect and I love Australian writing. I love being able to listen to our voices and, and new ideas and we have so many new writers that it's just uh, and new people coming in all the time. Now, I guess that's what it is. It's excitement about what's ahead, what's the next day, what's the next play. And, you know, and then I get a, a book to read that is divine. So, you know, that it just, it's trying very hard not to be cynical, not to be bitter, but to have an enthusiasm and an excitement and know in the normal course of events, your phone can ring. You might think you're out of work today, but your phone can ring tomorrow. So mm. I guess that's what it is. Long answer. No, beautiful. <laughs> and, you know, there's been a few roles throughout your career on stage, at least anyway, that you've returned to, is that a conscious choice? Like with touring, you know, they've toured different cities or like with the, what you did earlier this year, Jesus wants me for a sunbeam. You were returning to those, the dual roles. Is that a conscious decision or is that? Um, well, it's a conscious decision because um, when we finished uh, that play initially, and we it, nobody knew what that play was going to do. We, nobody knew the effect. So it was a small season in Parramatta. But in our last few days, the word was out what a wonderful play and what a wonderful production it was and, and with terrific ideas, terrific experience. And so everyone from Sydney was bussing down to it. We were getting directors and um, programmers and casting from all over Sydney to come and see this little play in Parramatta. So out of that, they didn't, when we closed, they didn't bump the set anywhere. They kept the set. Um, and then they worked hard to get another season for it. Now, Belvoir had been down and they loved it and they thought it was perfect for them. So there was always the idea that maybe we would get another go at it. Sometimes it's wrong to have another go. Sometimes you can't meet what you did. Um, I wanted another go because I didn't feel I quite conquered one of the roles. Mm-hmm. So it was nice. It was a conscious decision to go back to a new theatre and have a new rehearsal period and new thoughts, new look at it, new new aspect of the same play and, and see if we could work. And, yeah. and I, I was so pleased I went back. We Again, we had a terrific season and for me I felt I laid a, a demon. So it was good. That's good, yeah, because you can hear some actors, they're very cautious about going back to a role or is that just a... F- the thing that they just, uh, that's done and they don't want to go deal with it? Well, I think, I really do think it depends on the role. I, I have done um, Kath Thompson's Barmaids. I think I've done that three times because the play is each time, I mean, it's mammoth. It's uh, only a two-hander mm-hmm. with, you know, it's a full-length play with an interval and 
but two-hander and singing. And the writing is brilliant, but it's a great challenge. And so each time I've done it has been a different director and a different other actor. And it's you go, oh, I didn't get that. And there's a joy sometimes in revisiting old slippers, I think. There's, you go, yeah. I mean, you know, if I could do something... Summer of the 17th Doll, again, I possibly would because it's such fabulous writing and I, I don't know if you ever get to the top of that mountain. Um, but, yeah, and, and there are other roles that you go, no, that's enough. <laughs> don't yeah. need that again. <laughs> well, I think that's one of the good things about plays is that you can see with musicals and more often in opera, if they stage the production again, it's just a revision. It's You, you can't really, even a director comes on there you know, they're a revival director. They're not, they can't really bring. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Whereas in a play they can. That's right. And with Sunbeam, um, we had the same director, but we had a new lead man because Justin Smith, who'd been it originally, was in Billy Elliot. So beautiful Matthew Whitted came along. And so we all could rediscover this play through him mm. because he was looking at it completely uh, as a new a new person you you know he didn't know it the way we did so it was it was wonderful to rediscover uh, certain aspects through him and, and I think that made going back and I was so happy we did it was joyous it was really mm. really good um, and just kind of wrapping up what are some of the things that you've learned along the way throughout your career that you think actors, actors starting out should keep in mind? Oh, okay. I think as young people, we define ourselves as our career and it's not, that's not who we are. People don't think any less of you because you may not have gotten a job or you didn't get an audition or I think what we all have to do is work out who our self is and come to love that person and not not whip ourselves when something doesn't go our way because really, seriously, in the real world when COVID is gone, the phone can change your life. The next day, someone can ring somewhere from somewhere can say, I want you and you're going to come along, Adam, and you're going to do the best audition. The fact you don't get that job, it's because you're too tall, too young, too fat, too old, too skinny. It doesn't always have very much to do with you. And people, when you go into that audition, they want you to be fabulous. They absolutely do. They do not want you to fail. So I think we just have to get a better version of ourselves and to to love what this self is so that you can not shake. You can't, you don't go under when you don't get that one job you wanted. And we all get heartbroken. We all get that one job we really want, Mm -hmm. but you have to absolutely know it's not about you. And so you stop greeting each other. Like you don't say, g'day, Adam, how are you doing? You're working? It's, it's nicer to say, g'day, Adam, how are you going? How's your mum or how's your dog or are you all right? We just, we can, I think we live side by side our career, which is not to say you don't give it every enthusiasm you've got. But if you don't, anyway, I'll stop there, full stop. No, that was lovely. Well, uh, <laughs> Valerie Bader, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Oh, Adam, you're welcome. I hope it made sense, any of it. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure you like and follow Adam Deer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And join me next week on Creative Connections.